Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I am your host, Mackenzie, and this week I am joined by the two Lauras, and I am so beyond excited for you to hear this interview with them. We talked everything about being a freelance social media manager, all the tools and tricks and tips and all those fun things that you need to be a freelance social media manager, how to get clients, how to advocate for yourself when you are just starting out and not sure how much to charge yourself. We talk about all of it. So while I ramble on, let's just stop all that and just dive right into the episode. I hope you enjoy. So first of all, I didn't know this, but how did you two meet and kind of start the company? So Laura and I are are still freelancers. We still do our own client work. And at the particular point that we met, we were pretty much offering the same services, weren't we? I'd got yeah. I'd got a bit of a niche that was different to yours, but and everywhere I kept showing up, <laughs> she she was already there. <laughs> And it's very true of how we are. Like we are a very much a collaboration over competition is kind of run through everything that we do really. And so we just started chatting really and would often talk about the inquiries that we were getting. And it it came to a point where we were both getting a lot of inquiries from other freelancers saying, look, you know, how did you get your clients? I love what you're doing. Can you help me? Can I book a one-to-one? And I was finding that because I used to do... um, and Laura was the same, do training like online and face-to-face. And I was getting a lot of freelancers kind of showing up saying, I I want you to help. So we decided to put together what is still around. So it's the social media managers toolkit, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's grown quite a lot in, in the, over the years. But it was basically because we were still really focused on our client work. So we thought, well, let's put together this product, this package and, if people come to us asking for help, we can say, well, look, buy this toolkit. This is everything you need. And so we did that and it just blew up, didn't it, Laura? Like we, and we've now sold, you know, thousands of the toolkit and it, it still exists. It's still very much at the forefront of everything we do. And it just became so clear to us that, you know, God, these freelancers, need like they need help there's clearly a gap here so then we that's how we were born <laughs> and then everything's everything's really come you know the first probably year of our business was very reactive then to everything that people were telling us they needed whatever they needed we do and we put it in the toolkit and you know things have calmed down now and we're a bit more kind of proactive rather than reactive <laughs> but yeah it genuinely was born out of people asking us for, for these things yeah, we never planned this business together, did we? No. It was never planned to be what it is now at all. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Like you guys found each other and you created this incredible business. So what did the toolkit look like from the beginning versus what it is now? <laughs> so in our minds, when we very first talked about it, it was going to be like a couple of pages in a PDF telling people what they needed to do like 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 answering the most frequently asked questions yeah yeah and then when we launched it it was more than that and it had some templates in it and what have you and since then it's just grown it's now got course inside there it's got every template you could possibly ever think of that you need for your business We've got training on like how to start your website. We've got things about finances. We've got audit and strategy templates. Like there's services in the toolkit that you could literally go and plug into your business and go and offer and make your money back straight away pretty much. But 
but where it first started is just like a a resource to answer questions. Now it's this whole, it's almost like a business in a box, isn't it? Yeah. If you're starting as a, out as a freelancer and you get the toolkit, it's got everything in it that you need to be able to hit the ground running and go and win clients, know how to onboard them, know how to work with them, you know, know how to do your reporting. All of that stuff is all in there. It's very much um, one of the things Laura and I said right from the very start that it's got to be good. It's not, you know, there's so much stuff you can get on the internet that, and we all, we've all done it, haven't we? We all, you know, download certain templates and things and then they're rubbish. You know, yeah. you would never want to use them. You'd never want to give them to a client. You know, you don't feel it kind of re- represents the quality that you want to offer. So we always said, whatever it is, it has to be amazing. And probably 90% of the, certainly the templates in that toolkit are the things we still use, you know, it's got the proposal template that I use and I've never had a client say no to. And <laughs> it will literally have just, yes, we've changed the branding because no one wants my old freelancer you know, branding in there. But apart from that, it made it look a bit prettier, but the the core to it is very much not just something someone's just whipped up in a Word document. It's things that have worked and grown for us over time. So we've kind of done that testing and the hard work (laughs) and then just put it into the toolkit so people can. And so many people have had amazing success from it. It's, It's something amazing, I have to say. Yeah, I can't even begin to tell you how much money I've spent as like when I was freelancing full time on just like random templates and just like trying to figure out like courses that I should do because I spent so much money on like HubSpot courses and like, how do I be a really good social media manager today? I think we've all been there, haven't we? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I still have friends reach out to me who are just getting started with freelance and they're like, what tools do I need? What courses should I take? Is there any courses? Should I just try it and just figure it out on the go? So when people are coming to you, how do you kind of tell them basically to get started? I know, obviously, you're going to show them your toolkit first, but what are some other ways? You know, not, not always, to be honest. I think people can get going. And that's the key to what we would say. Like we live by the mantra of JFDI. I've even got the (laughs) JFDO behind us and we just we will constantly say to people you've just got to do it you've just got to make a start and there's there's lots of people who will come to us saying oh I want to go freelance or maybe because maybe they're in a you know employed position or or they've been made redundant and and I've kind of said look this is my opportunity to now set up my freelance business Mm -hmm. what do I do and you know yes we've got all the resources and we've got all the tools that people can can tap into but really you've just got to start and it's which sounds like such a ridiculous thing to say but you'd you'd be amazed by the amount of people who really struggle with taking that first kind of leap of faith and often when you take that leap of faith and you you get out there and say look, this is what I'm doing. You put it on your own personal profiles and say, look, guys, I'm I'm now setting up my own business. This is what I offer. You'd be amazed by the amount of people who know people who know people who actually would be like, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a go. Like, I'll you know, take you on as a client. And, you know, lots of people we know, including myself, the first client is just because of someone you knew and because exactly. you put it out there that you're, this is yep. what you offer. And, and I think sometimes when you take that first step, the rest falls into place. And then, yes, there's all the courses, there's all the resources, there's all these things around, which, you know, some are amazing, some not so much. But 
you know, there's all these things that you can then tap into, but you've got to start first, haven't you? I remember my first client, because you're saying like, it's usually somebody that you know, I was working at a magazine in St. Louis and they just, basically the magazine was like a little local where people, it's like a party magazine. So people just wanted to be, have their photo taken and be put in this magazine. And there was a wedding photographer that I met who didn't have anybody doing their social media and they were trying to get an ad into the magazine. And he was also talking about how he wanted somebody to do social media. A friend recommended me at that party. And I met him. And that's how I started yeah. my first like at my first freelance client. Yeah. It's, yeah it's all who you know, isn't it? Yeah. Just word of mouth. And then mm. from there, it was always a recommendation. Like this person recommended me to this person who recommended this person. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the biggest mistakes we see people make is that they don't, they just don't tell people what they're doing. And, and I'm not just talking about that they don't market their own business, but quite often they don't. It's that they, they don't even tell like the hairdresser when they're having their hair done, <laughs> what do you do for a living? Like perfect yeah. opportunity to sell, tell somebody what you're doing. And they, it's almost like you kind of, uh, you have this imposter syndrome set in because once you tell somebody it's real, but it's real before you tell somebody. So just tell yeah. everyone what you're doing. <laughs> I'm going to start a business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of going into the imposter syndrome part of it. So say that somebody's just getting started. And as somebody who did have imposter syndrome when I started, because I was like, oh, no, I, I'm a fraud. There's no way that anybody's <laughs> going to pay me to do this for them. How do you kind of get over that and kind of advocate for your rates when you're working with somebody for the first time? I think it's fair to say that before and then I'll pass over to Laura, but I think it's worth saying that everyone gets imposter syndrome. Mm. Even, you know, the people at the, the the top of the, you know, scale in, in terms of, you know, providers, they are, they still get imposter syndrome. We still get imposter syndrome. Everyone gets imposter syndrome. You, you just need the skills, as you say, to be able to just put that in a box and say, shut up, imposter syndrome, and, <laughs> and, and carry on. It's really easy to look at what everyone else is doing and think that they're doing an amazing job because they're putting it out there. And that is what then gives you imposter syndrome. But they're probably sitting behind their device thinking, oh, my God, I don't actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> and But they are just brave enough to put themselves out there. And so, yeah, it is. You need to put just put that imposter back in the box. You need to be confident of what you know, but also confident in if you don't know something that you've got somewhere that you can go, that you can get answers. So you need to, if you've got a good community around you that you can lean on, then that will really help with your mindset massively. I would also say, and this is a mistake that we see lots of people making, and I've done it, and I'm sure you guys will have done it too, in that you follow other people you follow other social media managers or you follow other ads managers whatever it is that you're kind of working on and which is which can be great it can be great if you're quite out there and you like to build networks and you want to have conversations and you want to kind of create your and find your business besties like that's fine but if you're someone who actually is just a bit of a lurker and all you're going to do is look at your essentially your competitors and think oh my god they're so amazing oh my god that piece of content's great why didn't I think of that oh god I can't talk about that now because they've talking about that I'm not going to say anything anymore I'm just going to sit here if that you then stop following other social <laughs> yeah. media managers I, like I, I'm forever like at Christmas I literally went through my Instagram for example and unfollowed loads of people who just don't make me think positively about what I'm trying to achieve yeah. and I think it's a really 
easy trap to get stuck into. And then because then what happens is you start creating content that's trying to compete with your competitors. Like I'm going to make content that makes my point better than what they've just. And before you know it, you're putting content out that speaks way too complex. It's way too complex for your audience. It's not actually what your audience needs. It's not what your potential client needs to hear, but you're just trying to compete with other competitors. And it's just the quickest way to not achieving anything. And so you've got to, if you can, remove yourself from those people and just focus on your target audience and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Yeah, and kind of following people just like, your competitors only and just looking at their stuff, it kind of puts you in a box because you feel like you can't go outside of what they're doing Yeah. because, oh, they're doing this and it's doing really well, so I must be doing it in that same way. But the truth is you could probably do it from a different angle or something else. You could yeah. approach it in a much different way and you're just not yeah. seeing it. And just because yeah, someone agree. might have loads of engagement on their socials or they might be getting like loads of followers, it does that does not mean they've got a good business. They might mm. be putting all their stuff out there and not have one client. They might not be making any money. They might just be good at putting content out. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's those vanity metrics that even us, of people who work in social media, we, we all get sucked into it, but you've just got to take that check every now and again and say, look, just because that content might have had 500 likes and mine only got 50, <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're any better or worse than you. You know, we see all the time people with hundreds of thousands of followers who are absolutely talking rubbish. It's just the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? You know, so... Yeah, don't get kind of get into that echo chamber of of hearing what everyone else is doing and then it just makes you go, oh, I'm not going to do anything then. Yeah, and I think a lot of people right now, because obviously engagement's down on like Instagram and people are so worried that they're not getting the likes they used to or they're not getting the comments that they used to. And in your opinion, is there a different metric that people should start be looking at more compared to just getting likes and comments? Yeah, their bank balance. <laughs> yeah the bank balance is the most important metric isn't it that's what we're all trying to do we're all trying to sell products or services or whatever and if you're just going by oh I did you know my I'm getting less likes well you could be getting a hundred times less likes if you're still getting money in the bank or you're getting more money in the bank you are still winning yep yeah. so that just doesn't matter but in terms of like social media metrics it depends on what you're trying to achieve. Like if you are trying to get sales, the metrics you want to be focusing on are probably more going to be your, your link clicks. They're the ones that are going to be important. You need to be taking people off of that platform in order to get them to go and spend money with you. So the, the metrics you're looking at, it really depends on like what the business is. But I think we always just need to take it back to that end goal. What is the business objective? Is it to make money? In which case, look at the sales, look at the bank balance. Is it to to be well known? In which case, you know, can you somehow measure your brand awareness? It really depends on what the business is doing. That makes sense. So one of the biggest questions that we get a lot is somebody has just scored themselves a client. They're really excited about it, but they're trying to get to that next step of how do I create a social strategy? How do I present a social strategy to this brand? Is there an approach that you usually tell freelancers for the first time? Use the strategy template in our toolkit. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know, that's, that's what we would say. Although I would argue you shouldn't take on 
a client if you don't know how to do a social media strategy. You know, there's way too many people in the industry that make out that social media is just, oh, you know, we can go along and we can just put a few posts in a scheduler and that's your job done. You can carry and carry on. It's a great like side hustle, all these things. But actually to be a good marketer, you really do need to understand how a strategy works and the how it is so much more complex than just putting some pretty pictures on Instagram. It's So I, I would say like, get get to grips with that understand do your own social media marketing strategy and when you can see that working then you know you're you've you know you've got there you understand how that works for your business and it's so much easier to transfer that to other people's businesses but definitely in terms from a practical perspective having things like templates whether it's ours or anyone's <laughs> like having templates does help in your business because it gives you a structure it gives you like a formula it gives you something to follow it makes sure that you don't go off piste and start kind of putting in loads of extra stuff that they haven't really paid for or they don't really need so a template can help you have that focus but definitely make sure you understand what it is you're doing before you start putting together strategies for clients totally I still to this day, I'm like in the year of 2023, I still to this day have friends who are like, well, I mean, social media, all you have to do is like post a photo, right? That's it. Like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if it was that easy? I was it- like, yeah, that's how people get 50,000 followers just by <laughs> posting a photo. Yeah. It's a real bugbear of ours, isn't it? Like, I'm, you know, I don't want to sidetrack everything with a bit of a rant, but like we, you know, we saw an article, I think it was probably a few months ago now on, we saw it on Twitter and it was talking about the best, the best jobs for a work at home mom or something along those lines. Oh, and don't no. get me wrong. I am, you know, I am a mom and this job has allowed me to work around my children. So I'm not knocking that it's not, a, or it can be a flexible job, but I also work in the evenings. I also work when I'm on holiday because unfortunately social media doesn't ever go away. Yep. And But the point of this article was saying, if you're a social media manager, I think I can't remember how exactly it was worded, but it was along the lines of you could just get up on a Monday morning, schedule five posts, and then you're done for the week. And it's like, Mm. no, no. Mm. And like, I got, I was so annoying. (laughs) And it's like, and we say it all the time, like social media is not an admin job it's marketing and exactly and people really need to understand that like businesses need to understand that and I've got clients now who you can see they're kind of thinking well just can't we just put this post down just see what happens and it's like oh god you know I've worked with you for four years have you not figured this out yet (laughs) you know it's, it's it's I get it. Like the general public, the business public don't necessarily understand the true extent of how good social media marketing works. And and so we all as a profession are kind of up against that constant pushback. It's like, well, why am I going to pay you that? All you've got to do is put some pretty pictures on, you know, on social. And it is it is hard, but you've just got to find the clients who understand the you know, how good and how impactful good marketing can be. Exactly. It's just, yeah, it still just boggles my mind that people are like, yeah, you just post and don't even have to look at it for the rest of the week. You don't have to do engagement. You don't have to answer DMs. You don't have to constantly be on your phone 
answering to people like you don't have to do that you just schedule and it's fine yeah and then the magic happens right yeah, you get 50,000 followers in a day because your video went viral. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention trying to get the content from the clients in the first place to be able to oh use gosh. that on socials. That's like a full-time job. Yeah. So how would you go about like telling somebody, so I've ha- definitely had clients in the past who it took them weeks just to get back to me with like imagery or respond to, because usually what I would do in the past is like write an entire month of post to kind of get together their like launch that they were doing or whatever was happening for the month and I would send it to them for approval or if there's anything that needed to be tweaked and that would take another week so it was like everything kept getting delayed how do you tell people like okay this is how I've approached it in the past to get content quickly you're way better at getting content from your clients than I am, Laura. So I'm going to let you answer that. Well, I think, you know, you can, you need some kind of client management system, don't you? And we have got one of those in the toolkit as well. You need a way, whatever that system looks like, you need a way to have those processes in place. So they understand that expectation. And I think it comes, whether it's successful, comes back to how you start with a client and that setting those boundaries and, So they've got a clear understanding of what they need to do, what their part of the equation is for you to be able to do your job. And I think the thing that sometimes happens is, you know, you say to a client, look, I'm going to need some photos. Can you take some photos for me? The client, obviously, they're busy people. I get it. You know, they don't get anything to you. So the social media manager then goes and finds loads of stock images or creates stuff in Canva. And I get I get why they're doing that because they want to do their job and they've, you know, it's like, hang on, I've been paid for this. I've got to do something. I've got to put content out. So, but then the client goes, oh, well, they've managed that. That's fine. So then a few weeks later, when you say again, can I have some more content? They're like, oh, they don't really need it. They'll obviously just go find some stock images because again, the client probably doesn't understand how much they can, their business can change because of good social media marketing. So, so you see if because of how it was, kind of the, the how it was all set up right at the start then it affects that whole relationship but mm-hmm. I think you have to say so you have to set the boundaries from the start and you have to stick to them and if they don't get content to you then content can't go out and you know clients of mine who they'll often say to me like we've got a whatsapp group which has got all the team in the sales team the directors, everybody's in there. I'm in there. And they'll say, oh, we've got this great new product. And I'm like, uh-huh, okay, great. <laughs> now tell me a bit about it. Uh-huh, great, great. And then there's nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just sit here waiting because I, I need videos for reels. I need videos for TikTok. I need photos. I need inside photos, outside photos. I need, you know, and it goes on. And, and I just stand my ground. And the content, I can still put content out. I, I'll repurpose old content or I'll find it, but they, I won't be talking about this new product that they want me to talk about yeah. until they get me those assets. And I think you just have to be quite tough. It's very much that kind of management situation. You do have to manage your clients and yeah, set expectations. And quite often, like you just said, Laura, about social media managers will go and create something or they'll go in Canva or what have you. If you say to your, the client, if you don't get me this content, I will create it for you. It will cost you X amount immediately that client's going to go, I am not paying that. Here you go. Here's my photos. (laughs) So it's just, as soon as you put a price on something, people realize the value Mm. of it, don't they? And they're more willing to to exchange their time to go and get the photos than they are to give you more money. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. I now like this is now going into my brain. I'm like, oh, I could do that for people. I could start charging them for yeah. not getting me content quickly <laughs> enough. Yeah. And like we, you know, we've just taken on a freelancer recently, and and she's been she was brilliant on her onboarding. She she was really clear. This is what I do. This is what I need from you. This is when I will deliver it to you by. If you don't give it to me, then I'm going to charge you this. And we were like, okay, okay, yeah, no, no, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, we were like, okay, right, making sure we'd got everything in the diary to make sure we were never late with anything. And and it was brilliant. Like how she did it was absolutely brilliant. And we've just all got to be a bit tougher, haven't we? And just yeah. you know, s- set the scene because at the end of the day, it will benefit the client. It's not going to benefit us, is it? No, it's not. You just got to back yourself a bit. Yeah, totes. So I know we've talked about, we touched on this a little bit, and I know we all have had these clients before, but those clients that they think that they know what would be best Mm. for social media, or they see a trend and they're like, we should do this trend, Mm. or wouldn't this be a really funny post? What advice would you give to somebody who has a client that keeps doing this and to kind of give them like the client's expectations versus the reality of what could happen? So I would, first of all, make sure that the client understands why we've created that social media strategy in the first place and the, like what it's going to do to help us throughout our marketing. Because quite often a client will pay for a strategy, they'll have that strategy in place, but then they'll forget that it exists. So then they're like, oh, can you chuck this content in? And they forget that it doesn't necessarily align with that strategy. And then whenever a client is like, oh, can you pop just pop this picture on Instagram? You have to just remind them, does it align with our objective? you know, is it in line with what we've already discussed this month with what we're trying to achieve with the content we've already got put out? What is it you think is going to come from this content? Actually, that's probably not (laughs) going to be the case. Can we put it in maybe a scheduler for a month's time with more strategy around it? And it's about managing those expectations, isn't it? When you remind the client of their goals and their objectives for their social and what they're paying you for, it's much easier for them to then understand why it doesn't fit in. Now, I'm not saying that this will make them go, oh, yeah, okay, we'll not not post it. Because most of the time they will go, no, I still want to put it out. I still want to put it out. (laughs) So if that was the case, I would just make sure that I I would say to them, okay, this is fine. We can put this out, but this might affect what we're doing, you know, with this strategy or what we're doing with this content that we've got planned. And if this then means that our goals, we don't achieve them, just remember that it was this post and I would want to have something in writing that they understand the implications of putting out this random content. I think it's also worth saying, and this is a sweeping statement, and I know not all business owners are going to be like it, but a lot of business owners think about the content that, based on what it is they want to say. And obviously a good marketer is trying to put content out about what your audience wants to hear. And and mm. although although they're kind of the same... What makes a good marketer is that you can figure out what the business wants to say, but say it in a way that the audience wants to hear it. But a business owner isn't likely to be a good marketer. They can be in some instances, but so they're often, they're wanting to put out something because they, they think it's what they need to say about their business or they want to say it because they think it's funny and they've seen this funny trend going around. So they're like, oh, yeah, I think this is really funny. But actually, they've lost track of their brand voice, of yes. their target audience, and their target audience might not have the same sense of humor. You know, sometimes it can be absolute car crash. Sometimes it can go down really well. And that's why you shouldn't just completely disregard the, all of their ideas. And at the end of the day, you're being paid to be the expert in this situation. And they should 
they should listen to you. I did have a client. So I'm curious how you guys feel about this. I had a client before who still wanted to have access to all their social media, which is fine. Like it is your business. That's how it should be run. But they decided that they wanted to answer the DMs and the comments and they would answer under the brand voice or under the brand. And sometimes they would go on images that they probably shouldn't have and would post things that they probably shouldn't have under the brand. Have you (laughs) ever had to approach a client and like tell them like, we can't do this. We have to, we have to stick to a specific thing. (laughs) God, I don't, I luckily haven't, like, I know there have been people in our membership actually who have had some really interesting situations <laughs> where they can see see like DMs that are happening between people that shouldn't be having yeah photos they probably don't want to be seeing of their clients. Oh no. Yeah. So it definitely happens, but I've never I've never <laughs> experienced that. I think you you know it's and it's in all of those kind of situations as awkward as it is, you know, especially in the case of <laughs> That particular member I'm thinking of, you do have to remind them that it's a business. If they carry on and share their personal opinions or personal conversations, photos, what have you, then maybe they should do that on their personal profiles. Um, <laughs> but but I say that knowing that that conversation would not be easy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I definitely had to write an interesting email before where I'm like, <laughs> Hi there. I can see every single DM. Just letting you know that just because it's on your phone, it's also on my phone. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. god. Yeah. That was that was fun and they had a wife, so that made it even better. <gasps> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, I guess since we are in 2023, it's the beginning of the year. It's in January. What are some trends that you kind of see happening this year that you think that people should probably start focusing a little bit more on or are there things that you think that have happened in the past that you think people should still focus pretty hardcore on? I think there's two big ones. The first one I think is going to be vertical video, which everyone knows anyway. Vertical video is going nowhere. We need That needs to be part of your strategy. But I think the other one that's going to really start taking off this year is, is AI and like it's being talked about everywhere. Everyone's already using chat GPT. You can't open LinkedIn at the moment without there being posts that are just about how to use chat GPT. And I'm not for any minute telling you don't do not go and start creating content about how to use chat GPT. There's plenty of that out there as it it is, (laughs) But, but you probably do need to learn how to use these tools to make your life easier. And so that you can in your content creation and stuff like that, but just remember what they're there for. They're there to make your life easier, not to replace you. And they're never going to sound like a human. So you do obviously need to put your own spin on it. But I think that we're going to see lots of different AI roll out with different tools. And who knows, maybe we'll see more of it actually within the social media platforms as well. There's my little crystal ball there. (laughs) (laughs) My, My crystal ball is predicting, and we've already started to see this at the back end of last year, but SEO on social media is really, really important. And people really need to start thinking about that when they're creating their platforms, when they're writing their bios, when they're writing their content, they need to just be thinking about how 
people, the general public, the audience is now using a lot of the platforms now much more in a search capacity than they were before. I know I certainly am, especially me and TikTok. It's like the new Google for me. I love looking for things on there. So I think we need to be mindful about how our content is hopefully showing up in certain key keyword searches. And if it's not, then what you can do to make sure the content is showing. And I think also on that note, like just remembering how people are changing what they want to see on social. And I think this year, fingers crossed, we will start seeing less of people recreating trends pointing at words on their reels oh my gosh yeah and maybe just some original content even if it's just somebody talking to a video like literally having a conversation on a video wouldn't that be unique compared to somebody just dancing and pointing at something <laughs> i think it'd be really good to see more unique content this year the audio trends you need to start looking oh, at today yeah <laughs> if i see one more reel about trending music just no yeah <laughs> I'm like, I get that it's helping you like not even go viral, but get more views because they're not even getting more followers at that point. They're just getting views. Yeah. And half the time yeah. it's it's trending music that businesses aren't able to use those pieces of music exactly. anyway. So it's <laughs> it's no good from a kind of business perspective. Yeah. No. Just, and even the like original audios that are gen- like that have music from a band, even though it's an original audio on Instagram Reel, the actual music companies are obviously getting ahead of that, and they've already started like yeah. sending out cease and desist letters and things like that. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a quite a gray area, isn't it? It's certainly one I don't want to fall the wrong side of. No, <laughs> not at all. To kind of touch upon the AI thing for a little bit. I know I've had conversations with friends recently that are very, very nervous that AI might be taking over their job in the next few years because, oh gosh, like if somebody can just type in the little search bar, like write me a social media post about X, Y, or Z, will they have a job in the future? And I love what you said about it doesn't sound like a human. So could you talk a little bit more about that? So I would first of all say that no matter what service you offer, there will always be a cheaper way of somebody getting that service. Whether it's from an AI robot or a cheaper agency or a cheaper freelancer, there will always be something that is in competition with you. So don't think that AI is your biggest threat. It probably isn't. Your biggest threat is probably just somebody who does your job better or who is a better salesperson than you, who is more willing to go and like pitch themselves to the person you want to work with. But in terms of like the human side of AI... AI is going to get way better this year. There's just no, there's no doubt about it. It's started getting better over the last few years, but in the last probably three to six months, it's really changed. And so it's just going to change more and more and more. And so, but currently it doesn't sound like a human. Will it sound like a human in a year, three years time? Who knows? It may well do, but it's still not going to understand humans. And as marketers, we need to focus on how we can get the person who is holding their device, looking at your content to actually move their thumb and go and do something. And humans understand humans, robots and AI do not understand how to get somebody to do that. So yeah, it may be great content. It may have even a great brand brand voice, but it won't understand the little nuances. It won't understand what's happened in the previous content, you know, looking back at what's happening on all of your other marketing around and how you can bring all of that together and really understanding your audience and getting under the skin of what they, what it is that they're struggling with and their problems and you know, how you can really speak to those and get them to take action. So I don't think that we should be too worried. 
I mean, like even just if you think about your local supermarket, it places in there where you can go and check out yourself, but they've still got staff in there to help you check out. It hasn't replaced the jobs. Exactly. And I also think I was telling another friend because she's very concerned and I was like, it also is helpful for you in your own job. Like Mm. you can start it if you're stuck on something or you can't really Mm -hmm. get some, like the blank page is in front of you and you just don't even know where to begin. It's a really good starting point. And then you can tweak and really hone in on the brand voice on making it more like authentic. So for me, it's been helpful in that regard, but I like you, I think it doesn't understand humans. It doesn't understand the nuance. It doesn't understand sarcasm or just like little cheeky in jokes. It doesn't get that. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to spot trends and things like that that you're going to be able to jump on either. So, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to have great humor. We just need to, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not a human. I don't think it's going to be a massive competitor for us. It's like an extension of AI that we all use with Alexa and Siri. It's, it's, you know, we've all used that to our gain. You know, the kids are already asking it to, you know, help them with their homework. And, and whenever we're stuck and can't think of something, we're using that as a form to help us. So people just need to see that that's, you know, you use it to our advantage, but don't worry about it taking our jobs. Because I think, you know, it, yeah, it might it may take some people's jobs, but it won't take a good marketer's job. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of AI and AI tools, what are some of your guys' favorite tools for your everyday social media management? Obviously, Flick. I mean, you know, we can't come on your podcast <laughs> and not say Flick. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> we've been using loads of different tools. With Canva, always. Like, can you be a social media manager if you're not using Canva? I don't think you can. <laughs> so we, we spend most of our days in Canva. And we also spend a lot of time in Asana. Yes. In terms of I like planning and things like that. We plan all of our marketing in Asana, don't we? Yeah, and Airtable. We've got lots of our links and all of our content inspiration goes in there. All of our social proof goes in Airtable so we can easily use that and get our hands on it when we want to pull that into our content strategies. Amazing. Well, I think that is all I had for you guys today. Thank you so much for coming on and just talking shit to me i love this <laughs> thanks for having us oh, yeah absolutely so, so I, now i know we can swear oh sorry yeah you can swear okay invite us back and we'll swear more yeah <laughs> would you like to end it on a swear <laughs> no, no best not so if people want to come find you guys where where should they find you okay so the best place to find us if you want to come and connect with us is on social obviously we are on all platforms as at the two lauras you can also find us on our website which is the two and we also have a podcast which we would love you to come and listen to which is called yeah. jfdi with the two lauras and it's available in all of the podcast players perfect well thank you so much and i will talk to you all next week bye thanks bye. for having us Thank you so much for listening to Talk Social to me this week. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. And like the two Lauras did say, you can follow all their social media handles that they mentioned. All of it will be in the show notes. You can also find Talk Social to me, our podcast on all major podcast platforms. You can also subscribe to Flick. And we are at flick.social on Instagram, at flick.social on TikTok. And we are at flick.social on YouTube. So go find us. I'll link everything in the show notes and I really hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next week.